0: To deliver better health, better care, better value. That is the vision statement of NHS Highland, so I discovered this week. If you work for any sort of company today, you'll be familiar with vision statements. Be it a school, a distillery, a construction company, or even some social groups, many places have adopted one. I read some articles this week on why vision statements are considered important for organisations as they go about their work. One of them helpfully distilled it down to five bullet points. A vision statement shows where a group is headed. It keeps them on course through changing times. A vision statement provides motivation and inspiration. A vision statement helps us to see setbacks as insignificant. In light of the promised end, a vision statement provides focus and makes us more effective. A vision statement gives meaning and purpose to what we do. It's the reason why we keep going on difficult days. Now, there's a lot of management speak in there, but we get the picture. Vision is unifying, it brings people together, it's inspiring, it gets them up for a task. It provides focus and clarity. But as with many modern day trends, this is actually nothing new. The Apostle Paul knew the value of vision 2,000 years ago. In the ancient world, there was an expected format for an important letter. They began with a greeting and then a word of thanks. If the letter was a religious one, those two things were then followed by a prayer. At the start of Colossians, we find those three expected customs, but Paul uses them for a specific purpose. He uses them right at the start of his letter to lay out a vision. Not his vision, but the great vision of God and how his purposes are working out. The vision that the beleaguered Colossians needed to hold on to. In his greeting in verses 1 and 2, Paul makes it clear that he wants his readers to fill their vision with the fullness of Jesus Christ. Within just five words, Paul has mentioned him by name. He's in a rush to get there. Within the first four verses, Paul has mentioned Jesus four times. It's through Jesus that the Colossians have been made holy. They need do nothing else. It is through Jesus that they have come to experience the grace of God the Father. They have received undeserved blessing. It is through Jesus that they have come to know peace in their troubled world. As I said in the introduction a few moments ago, this letter is all about Jesus. He is the one who fully meets our needs. It is Jesus that we need to set our eyes on and fill our vision with, particularly in troubling times. But it's with Paul's thanksgiving in verses 3 to 8 that I want to focus most of our time on this evening. Every good vision statement tells its people who they are. It tells them where they've come from, where they've got to, and where they are going. It sets out the process that they are to follow. And this is exactly what Paul communicates as he gives thanks to God for the young faith of the Colossian believers. To help us to see this, I want us to focus on some key words. We'll take them one at a time. The first word is truth. Paul says in verse 5 that the Colossians' journey began when they first heard the true message of the gospel. The true message of the gospel. Let's get this straight right from the beginning. It doesn't matter what anyone else in your life tries to tell you. The gospel is true. You need not doubt it. You can put your full trust in it. Paul knew it was true because he had really met Jesus. What was it he wrote in his first line? That he was an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul was an apostle because he'd met with Jesus. On the Damascus Road, he'd had his life totally transformed by Jesus. Once Paul had been a persecutor of the church, now he was prepared to be persecuted himself for his faith. What on earth could have caused such a great turnaround in Paul's life other than meeting Jesus? And Paul believing 100% that his message was true. As believers today, we need to have real conviction about the truth of Scripture. Jesus really lived. Outside of the Bible, we have more than a 100 different sources that back that up. Jesus really died. No one survived the Roman execution. Archaeologists have dug up the skeletons to prove it. Jesus really rose again. The body was never found. The heavy stone was moved. More than 500 people met him on multiple occasions. The disciples laid down their lives after meeting him. There are 2 billion people on the earth today who declare that Jesus is alive and they know him. The gospel is true. I do not have time to go through all the evidence now, but for 2,000 years people have tried to disprove it, and they've all failed. Our faith is not a fairy tale, it's not based on wishful thinking, it is based on real historical events. It is reasonable and it is logical, it makes sense. In a world that constantly tries to make us doubt, let us know that Jesus is the truth. Paul says that when the Colossians heard that truth, they encountered hope. This is hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Hope for this life and life after death. This is not a hope that is wishy-washy or comes and goes, but a hope that is solid, solid. Paul says it's stored up for us in heaven in a similar way to money being stored up in the bank. Our hope is in a safe place where nothing can get to it or take it away. We all need hope. Without hope, we shrivel up. Without hope, life becomes a long, dark cave of depression and despair. Without hope, we die. In Jesus, we find hope. Hope for the forgiveness of our sins. Hope for eternal life. Hope for God's living presence with us in the toughest circumstances of our lives and the knowledge that he'll bring us through them. When we hear the truth of the gospel, we encounter hope. Now in this part of the letter, Paul is giving thanks that when the Colossians encountered this hope through the ministry of Epaphras. They did the one thing necessary to obtain it. They took up faith in Christ. That is our next word, faith. This is verses 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. There is nothing else required for our salvation but faith in Jesus. Jesus has already done everything else for us through his death on the cross. He has done all the things that we could not do for ourselves. Now it is through faith alone that we are set free. We need not follow a particular set of customs. We need not say special mantras or worship other things. We need not beat our bodies or live harsh ascetic lives. Faith in Jesus is all that is required to obtain the hope that God holds out for us. And Paul rejoices that this young Colossian church has already taken this step. They've turned away from their past ways. They believed in Jesus as the Son of God. And they set out to follow him as closely as they could. That is faith. And by such, they were saved. So the gospel is true it brings us hope and that hope is obtained by faith alone the next key word that paul uses is love paul gives thanks for the love that the colossians have for god and for one another when we put our faith in jesus we are welcomed into god's family we can approach god as our father We can speak to Jesus as our brother, as well as him being our saviour and lord. We experience God's great love for us as we know him lifting us up from our sin and guiding us through the rest of our lives. All of us here this evening who have trusted Jesus know that there is nothing better in all the world than knowing God's love for us. But at the same time as we're united to Christ in faith, something else happens as well. We are also united to all other believers. We are united to all the other members of God's family. Christians do not get to choose whether they are part of the church or not. They are the church. They are part of the one worldwide family of God. Therefore, love of other believers is one of the key markers for having a real love of God. Paul says at the Colossians, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. You see, the more we come to know the truth of Jesus and the hope that he sets aside for us, the more we start to faithfully love God and love other Christians. Can you begin to see how this vision statement is beginning to build up? Truth leads to hope. Hope inspires faith. Faith leads to love. But there's one more important word to come. Fruit. Paul says in verse 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. You see, communities of people who love Jesus and love each other produce fruit. In other words, they help God to produce more people who love God and love others. And people who genuinely love each other are very attractive in today's world. Our world is full of broken homes and broken relationships. Our world is full of conflicts and war. Our world is full of loneliness and despair. And into all these situations, love shines brightly. People are attracted to churches who sincerely love one another. And as a result, they come to hear about God's truth for themselves. Also, churches that love God and love the world around them send out missionaries and serve their local communities and teach people about Jesus. Again, more and more people coming to hear the truth. Truly a church that loves produces fruit. After all, that's how we are all here today. Somebody, somewhere took the time to share God's love with us. Many other people since have walked the journey of faith alongside us, loving us through thick and thin. In a way, we are the fruit of God's working through other people's love for us. And hopefully God has used us to produce a few fruit down the years as well. Judging by our regular increased attendance on a Sunday morning, I humbly suggest we might be beginning to see some evidence of new fruit right now in our church, right before our very eyes. And of course, there's a great cycle being completed here. In the garden, if a plant produces fruit, we know it is healthy. We know it's well established, it has good roots, it's getting all the nutrients it needs. We also know it's a real plant and not a plastic one. So too, when you see fruit in the church or in the life of a believer, you have further evidence for the truth that they've based their life upon. Jesus must be alive because he's clearly still at work. In this way, fruit demonstrate again that the gospel is true. Bringing us back full circle to where we began. Ready to go again on a new round of leading people to Jesus and extending the kingdom of God. Now all of this is included in Paul's thanksgiving. Can you see he's not wasted a word in verses 3 to 8. Yes, he's following the custom of his time of a greeting and a thanksgiving. But he's also setting a vision a vision for the Colossians to hold on to. This is what they're supposed to be about. This is who they are. This is where they've been. This is where they are headed. In a world full of attack and confusion, they're to hold on to the truth of Jesus. They're to keep their eyes up, focused on the hope of glory. They're to know that faith in Christ is enough for salvation. They need nothing else, no matter what anyone says. They can enjoy God's love and love Him in return and do that by loving others. And if they do, fruit will be produced. The church will keep on growing, even in a time of opposition. There is one final thing that Paul wants to say in this opening to his letter. Now that he's held up Jesus before his readers and shown them what he's at work doing in the world. Paul believes that there really is help on hand for us as we seek to live for him in a challenging world. There is help for us as we try to allow God to use our lives to produce his fruit. And this help is what he prays for in verses 9 to 14. Paul prays that God will go on filling the Colossian believers with more and more of his spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that the risen Lord Jesus comes to help us in our lives today. In these verses, Paul says that the Holy Spirit takes us into a deeper knowledge of God and his will. Not the academic knowledge that comes from books, but the heart knowledge that grows in a relationship. The Holy Spirit helps us to know God more in the same way that I know my wife more as I spend more time with her. And this growing knowledge of God leads us to have a stronger conscience that keeps us straight in a world where people are trying to tempt us off the path of faith. Paul also says that as the Spirit comes into our lives, the Spirit gives us the Power We need to go on serving Christ in the world and that we may be able to endure the hardships that will come our way. Paul believes that the Colossians can go on producing fruit even in the difficulties they are facing because God will give them the power to do so. And God will provide all the power we need as a church today as we struggle with some of the things going on In our world. And finally Paul believes that the Holy Spirit will bring assurance into the lives of these Christians. It's because the Spirit is inside of us that we know we have been saved. The Spirit enters our lives when we take up faith in Jesus. So when we see the evidence of the Spirit at work in our lives. We know that God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of light we know we have been redeemed we know we've had our sins forgiven in Jesus and no matter what anyone else tries to tell us no matter how bad or guilty they try and make us feel no matter how much they try to undermine our faith and make us doubt we know we are safe in God's hands and so we can give thanks even in times of trial. And there we finish. I know we've covered a lot of ground tonight, so let me just summarise it all. In AD 60, the young church in Colossae was under attack. Many people were fearing for the future. In 2022, many people in the church are feeling the same, and many more, outside of it. Paul is urgently trying to pass on the guidance that the Colossians back there needed. And it's the same guidance we need today. We need to set our eyes on Jesus and allow him to fill our vision completely. He is the truth. He is the only hope that will stand. Through faith in Christ, we find the love of God and the love of brothers and sisters. Through Christ, the church will go on producing fruit, even when the powers at be are trying to stop it. This is the vision that Paul lays out for his readers. We are to hold on to Jesus with everything that we've got. And the best way to start doing that is to pray and to ask God to fill us with more and more of his spirit. And I can think of nothing better to do than to start praying that now. So let's pray.